Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Every experience that you're going to go through in life has got a containment model for it. It could contain you and seeks to kind of dominate your present and your future, your thoughts, your creativity. Everything good that God has put in you has great ability and power. You know, as a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus said that I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. He was talking about a life that went beyond the norm. He's talking about a life where the containment models of our experience don't always hold us back. There are things in you that are contained greatly today. It's affecting your relationships. We're on, you know, relationships God's way, family God's way. And this is part three of that. And so many relationships, not that they have great trauma or that they have great trouble, it's that they have no great life. Because it's been contained. Experiences have put a thick shroud around the possibilities. Just this week, I've had the privilege of attending two weddings and a funeral, which are sort of, you know, two celebrations. In this case, three celebrations. The funeral we just hosted was Michelle Jones, uh, my nephew, Dale Jones's wife, who struggled with MS for decades. And in that struggle, let her faith and her purpose rise above the struggle. She always found a way that it wasn't able to contain her story because her story would be a God story. One story that exceeded the containment model. All of us have things in our life that have contained us and bring great energy to do so. Uh, The two weddings were beautiful. One was in Jasper and uh, I'm performing this wedding on the outdoor lawn, beautiful day with I think two million geese behind me. And something stirred them up. We were on their plateau where they normally would be and I'm giving personal words to the bride and groom and all of a sudden, this loud thing, they're all taking off, they're all honking. It is like, what do I do? You know what my first thought was? My first thought was, where's my shotgun when I need it? It ended up being an extremely interesting experience because then everybody focused back and we had a great wedding down there, a beginning, something that was beautiful, something that nothing can interrupt. It doesn't dominate, it becomes part of it. It's not perfect, it didn't work out. Everything didn't just go, Then we had a beautiful wedding here yesterday. Tia and Kyle, down here, and And it was a beautiful wedding. And it's, it's just got a big story that we can't tell today, but the big story is how good God is, right? It's just the grace of God and, and how he works in our lives and brings us together and heals in us, through us. And I mean, c- containment models are all around us. You've gone through things as children when this could still be active in containing what God has meant to be these great explosions of life in and through you. 
You know, the model of your family today, if it's, if it's controlled by the containment models of yesterday, it cannot be what God desires it to be today or what you desire it to be today. Those models have to be broken. In this story that Lynn read so beautifully, we start off with the story of Paul and Silas in a city of Philippi. It's the first European city to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in this particular city, there's a slave girl who has this problem. The enemy has a hold in her life, but along with the hold, she has these special powers. Sometimes those containment models happen because of things like, well, this is advantageous for me to be on this side, for me to be in this situation. She earned a lot of money, it says, a lot of money for the owners that owned her. What made her a slave girl originally? I don't know her story. I just know this, that containment models come in all shapes and sizes, and they can be things that keep you in slavery. You might not have ever applied that term to yourself, but if you really did a little bit of an analysis and thought through, what is it that I am a slave to? Even willingly so. Because there was some profit in it, but now there is ownership. So what Paul does is he doesn't like this idea, first off, of her being bound up like that. He doesn't like that. And he doesn't like the idea that he knows what's going on is that as she is buddying up alongside the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and saying, you know, like we're sort of the same, all they're doing is setting up and reinforcing more clients to make more money. And so what he does is he turns to her and he speaks to the spirit in her through Christ and sets her free because all true liberty comes through Christ. And that liberty came to her in a moment of time. And in that moment of time, the owners lost, lost big. What they lost was profit for them. So she would be one that a containment model was broken And she was able now to move beyond just being slave. Believe me, the shackles would have been tight on her because she was really an income source. You know, the owners of her themselves were slaves. They had their own containment model. Their containment model was, you know, I'm really about the next profit. I'm really about the next personal advantage for me. They were manipulators to such a degree that they were willing to not have any concern for this young lady, but instead viewed the situation to tighten the bonds as much as possible because it would mean an ongoing profit. Living off of other people's pain and loss. It's a hard thing to think about. But the base things of life can enslave us. There is nothing wrong with profit from good business, but if it involves the slavery of another human being, of their soul, and the diminishment of their value, stay far away from that kind of profit. There's others in this story that the containment model is obvious in. There's a Philippian jailer at the end of the story whose containment model was simply that he would have been a retired kind of active 
legionnaire. He would have been around the world fighting in their wars. Uh, He would have seen a lot of blood in his day. He would not be a soft man. He would not be somebody with a heart uh, that would be really caring a whole lot about others. And he was a soldier that obeyed orders. So what happened was Paul and Silas are sent to him with these instructions. Keep them very secure. So he takes them and puts them into the very dungeon, the the, the deepest, darkest place in the prison. And he puts them into stalks on on their ankles, on their legs. And then he feels he's got them contained. This man was about to experience something that would liberate his soul, and not just his soul, but the family. Let's shift back just a little bit to the political leaders of the city. Once the right people were complaining about losing their profits, and that these guys had come, and then they put it into a term that says, they are espousing customs and beliefs that we as Romans cannot accept and go with. Well, in that, they might be true in their assessment. They would have to change. Their hearts would have to be healed and made whole by grace. But they were trapped by power. The moment that the right people were complaining, the political leaders stepped in and took very aggressive steps, another containment model. We think the things that often are gonna liberate us, like money, power, fame, Wasn't that thing on Denzel good? This idea of fame is powerful today. That you need to be really well known. Jesus did a teaching one day that said, if you really want to be great in my kingdom, you're going to have to learn to be a servant of everybody. You need to be the greatest servant to be great. Servanthood is so much different than slavery. This is a servanthood of love, of passion, of purpose. And that's, by the way, what put Paul and Silas into that jail, was their passion for their Lord, their love of their Lord, their devotion to their Lord, and the purpose that he had called them to. You can sell out pretty cheap in life and all the containment models will be there to contain the best that could have been. Or you can understand the power of this kind of purpose in our life. Why would Paul and Silas, let's walk this through with them in this experience. This is his second missionary journey, he took three. He knows the price of the gospel which he shares. He understands the beatings. He understands uh, getting stoned with rocks. He understands the rejection. He understands the powers that be against us that seek to contain the very message that liberated him. And in that containment model, Paul always busted through. You think he learned his lesson someday that containment is, is, is the life of ease. But like Denzel said, ease is the greatest threat. Ease in your faith. When we try to find the comfortable way through purpose, you'll never find God's purpose. Not going to happen. So here we have a situation where Paul, 
He's, he knows what's gonna happen the moment that he sets this girl free from the spiritual forces that enslave her and the men, which are enslaved by the same forces, but use that to enslave her for their own profit. He understands the motivations of that corrupted human heart. He understands that they have diminished the value of the person's soul and who they are. Have you ever sat back and wondered in history where all of the great tragedies, why do they come? How can Hitler do what he did? The human heart can justify so many things. It is a blindness model. It's a model that only can, can be so controlled in a way that doesn't allow the value, the depth of what God says is important to be that which leads their lives. And when power, instead of being something that is gonna make you the greatest servant, makes you the greatest taskmaster, it's gonna do one or the other. So Paul turns to this young lady and sets her free. He knows what's gonna happen. Okay, what is it that causes him to take that risk? To live that risk out? Purpose. And purpose, when you, your heart as a Christian bites into that, that God has a purpose in any and all of these situations, and you get sort of this warlike footing you're gonna find that you're gonna have this kind of, of, of result also where purpose takes on this beautiful liberation. You know, every great man and woman of scripture had to go through this busting out of containment models. Joseph, his brothers, could not believe his dream. We're gonna bow down to you. Dad's gonna bow down to you. You twerp. They get so bitter of heart. How can people do this? How could they take their own brother and think about murdering him but restrain themselves and only sell him into slavery for the rest of his life in Egypt? But Joseph would not be contained. The purpose that he found in even this caused him to become the best slave in Potiphar's house and the best prison uh, amongst the prisoner's leader in the, in, in the jail of, of Egypt and finally second in command to Pharaoh because he would not be contained. David, they go through every one of his brothers in trying to choose the next king. Samuel, this great prophet, says this, this nice stall a tall, strapping Eliab, the eldest of the clan. It must be him that's the next king. No, not him. It's not him. Next. And then he goes through all the boys that are present in the house. And he says, you have another son? Oh, oh yeah, we do. Yeah, it's David. He's the youngest. He's, he's out. He's out with the sheep. Go get him. When David walks into the room, immediately God speaks to Sam's heart and said, this is he. See, everything around you is set to contain you. But God always has a call that exceeds that containment. God can lift you above what life has brought you to hold you back and to hold you down. Esther, beautiful young lady, but taken by the king 
to be his bride, one of his many, many, many brides. But she's been strategically placed within the, the, the uh, palace of this, of this king. For what reason? To be the one that ends up delivering Israel from annihilation by a man that hated them. Daniel, my what purpose could you make of a young man after his family and his city have been decimated and taken, he's taken to the world kingdom of Babylon and there he is a part of a training program, indoctrination program, a young man. How does a young man stand up against that kind of change and upheaval and indoctrination? How does he hold on to his faith in God? He won't be contained. He just won't be contained. He'll live with the risk. Peter, Come with me, guys, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. No longer will you just fish for fish for the marketplace. You're going to now be directly fishing for men, and I'm going to show you how to do that. I'm going to make you this. But the making of it was breaking Peter because he was contained by his own little nobilities that somehow he would rescue the Lord from the cross and he would be the last defense so that Christ would not have to go to the cross and he couldn't even stand up before a waitress to say, yeah, I know him. That's my Jesus. There were things containing him from the inside out. The courage could find no footing in his life. Containment. Every experience in your life has its own containment model. The funny thing is, even successes can contain you, sometimes more than the things that hurt you. Sometimes successes can really put you at ease. They can cause you instead, I really don't really need God at this time because frankly, all the shelves are full. Purpose is not the idea of success or failure, Purpose is that I have only one thing that releases my life and it's God's plan and God's purpose and I am not going to let any other containment model hold me back. So here we got Paul and Silas. They beat him with a cane. It's, they still do this today in some areas of the world. Can you believe it? But they beat them with a cane. Strips down their back. Horribly bruised muscles. They throw them into stocks. They're in the deep, dark dungeon. You know, I mean, this is a beautiful story because it kind of gives us the ambiance of all of the struggles of life, these challenges. I mean, it's midnight, it's dark, uh, you're wounded, you're injured, you're a victim, you're... And what do they do? All the other prisoners are listening to them because what's going on is in that pre-midnight bang of the earthquake, in that pre-hours before that, what are they doing? They're praying. They are singing. Praising God. 
They are reaching beyond the containment of stocks, the containment of wounds, the containment of being victims, the containment. They're reaching beyond the containment of the prison itself. They're reaching beyond and saying, oh my gosh, I don't know what purpose you got in this, God, but we trust you, we pray to you, we trust you, we praise you, we trust you, we're hurting, we trust you, we are trusting you. And in that beautiful expression, it broke the containment of the experience to such a degree that once this earthquake hits, and it must have really shook the place, because it it just, it hits at midnight, and all of the prison cells bust open. I mean, it looks like all the prisoners are gonna be gone by the time this, uh, this chief guard gets down. And this guy's about to kill himself. He's fatalistic. He's a Roman soldier, it's failure. He's he's lost the prisoners under his charge. He doesn't start making excuses or blaming, He's he's just trying to own his stuff and he's a soldier under orders, I failed, so wow, and he's gonna take it. You tell how proud this was of his soldiering and of his role, it was all wrapped up in his role. And when his role seemed to be filled with failure, he was ready to take his own life. Have you ever felt that way? Even your roles, wrongly applied. I'm gonna be the perfect parent. I'm going to be the, per- we're going to have the perfect marriage. Ha <laughs> I'll be seeing you someday. Your roles can strangle you. So he's ready to literally stick the sword into himself. And Paul calls out, don't harm yourself. If you want to hear a word today and you're in a low and you are, that containment model's been working really heavy on you and there's a lot of discouragement and you have this kind of darkness that's kind of holding you back right now and you just know it. You just don't have a lot of hope in your family right now. You don't have a lot of hope in the marriage or towards your kids or towards, you know, the extended family, maybe towards friendship or other models of your life. Then frankly, would you hear the word that Paul spoke to that guy? Don't harm yourself. We are all here. I cannot explain fully the other prisoner's behavior. How do you explain it? These guys are in prison and the the doors are wide open, but they go nowhere. It's midnight, easily they can escape. Many of them might have been had a death sentence coming the next day or in the next week or who knows what they were all facing in the immediate future but something of influence that blew their whole idea of what life was supposed to look like. Something that got them beyond being victims of their own containment models or others lifted them into a zone where purpose seemed more important because they'd experienced something from Paul and Silas didn't match the scenario. If you want to know a great definition of the life of how a Christian should be, this is it. It's freedom. Freedom from those things, no matter what bonds. Always looking to the purpose 
because it's the purpose that matters beyond the bonds and, and God's in control. And yes, he does have this. You know, sometimes when they put, when these things put you in chains, it unleashes God's best through you. In fact, it's critical that you actually experience those chains so that you can, by purpose, experience all these containment things of fear and anxiety and hopelessness. Get broken. Trust. Let me finish with a few thoughts on that. Trust is tough business. Because you see, how do you trust in an imperfect world? How do you trust in an imperfect business with imperfect people? How do you trust in an imperfect home with imperfect people? How do you trust when you're surrounded by all kinds of imperfections? Well, the idea is not how you trust. See, this is what we always miss. It's where do you start trust? They couldn't start trusting, well, maybe there's gonna be mercy in that magistrate tomorrow. Maybe there's gonna be mercy in this jailer. Maybe there's gonna be, they couldn't start trust there. Their trust was implicitly already in God which lifted them beyond the model of containment. We always have to reassess that. I don't know about you, but there's been many times where I have to grab myself, shake myself, say, you're trusting God. You're gonna trust God in this. Linda's diagnosed with cancer, I think 11 years ago, uh, and in that, my first response was <gasps> And I had to grab my soul and say, no, this is not gonna be a containment model. We're gonna trust God. We're gonna trust his purpose. We're gonna trust that he walks with us. Now, he was gracious. And he has given her exceptional years and will continue to give her exceptional years. But whether he did or didn't, it's the purpose that brings the liberation. See, trust is the simplicity of a baby, but it is also the glory of a genius. When you get trust and you learn how trust works and you put God as the center object of trust, this is genius because it's smart. It puts these things into the hands of God. It breaks containment models. Often people around you, when you talk about trusting in God, are gonna think you're building castles in the air. Well, sometimes we need to have a trust that seems that way. But I will tell you it's far better than the bonds that come where you are ruled by the darkness of the dungeon, ruled by the steel around your, your, your ankles. You are ruled by the rats and you are ruled by the situation. I would much rather trust that there's a God that is driving a purpose deeper than myself. Now, what was the purpose here? Well, the purpose was slave woman free. 
a challenge to the hearts of people trapped in slavery of, of profit and power. And it was a beautiful outreach to a man who was a Roman soldier who ends up after they said, don't harm yourself, we are here. He gets a light. They run down to the darkest part. They see Paul and he gets down before Paul and, and Silas and says, what do, what, what do I got to do to get rescued? How did he know he needed to be rescued? Because it was in this moment he saw how contained he was. Contained by his own sin. What is sin? Sin is anything that cuts you off from God. It's where the I rules. Even to the role that he carried out. And then Paul responds to him and says, you just have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You and then he says, and God's gonna give you your whole family too. And they did that very night. You wanna unleash God's best in your family, in your marriage, in your relational world? Understand what's keeping you from it. First is all of these containment models and you're gonna have them active from history right through to present. But you have God. If your heart has received Christ, you have a purpose that he distinctly gives you in life that you can take everything that comes your way and trust him and trust uh, his purpose in the bad and in the good. You know, you gotta trust the Lord wholly and entirely now that means you've got to trust the dark side of him. Just let me finish. You must trust in the shadow of his wings. It'll be dark under there. And you've got to trust in the light of his countenance also. Some have only learned how to trust in the smile on his face. But you gotta trust, as, as a man said many, many, many years ago, you gotta also trust in the blows of his fist. What did he mean? God chastens us. He lets the circumstances that feel like blows of a fist where we've made decisions or we've hidden behind containment models and he wakes us up by the pain that's inflicted by those choices. Job, the great sufferer saint, said this, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Some of you are at a point where you really needed to hear that. I don't know about you, I think we've all been at these points. I have been here, I don't know, far too many times where my own weakness and my, my, my ability to somehow start knuckling under to the containment models of the activity that's going on around me, for me to kind of let that take control of my life, all of my views and my best stuff that I could bring to be helpful and strong is kept in chains. I want to tell you in closing a story of Martin Luther, the great reformer from about 500 years ago. 600 years ago. Martin Luther was a great man. 
He, he really was the forefront, but so many other men and women did too, but they took a stand for biblical truth. And they stood at a dark time in history to declare that it is salvation by faith in grace. He was a man, though, that could believe and doubt as much as anybody else in his time. In believing, his believing might even have excelled the angels in certain ways because of the tremendous challenges that he had. But it also, in horrible thoughts and by his own words, you know, he could almost match the devils. That's how great-hearted people often are. You can have horrible fits of faintness, And the other side, you can have this amazing strength that brings liberation. There was a time in his ministry that he fell so low in spirit that his friends, that they were frightened about what he might say or do. Things were going, going really wrong with the great cause of reformation. And the reformer, you know, in this dreadful condition might just upset everything and really cause him even worse because he was in such a bad state of mind. So his friends got him out of the way and they said to himself, look, this man must be alone. His, his brain is overworked. He must have quiet. So he rested a bit and then when he came back, he was looking as sour and gloomy as ever. Rest and seclusion had not stilled the winds. It hadn't lulled the waves. Luther was still in a storm and judged that the good cause was shipwrecked. I will now, you know, going to tell part of the story that I think you'll relate to. And he says this, he, the, the story goes like this. One day, he comes home. And he's in this sour mood. Oh, it's just constant. It seems to be getting deeper and the spiral going down. He is in containment. And when he came to the door, nobody welcomed him, which was unusual because his wife, Kate, would usually do that. He entered their best room of the house and there sat Catherine, his wife, all dressed in black, weeping as from a death in the house. By her side lay a mourning cloak such as ladies would wear in those days at funerals. Ah, he says, Kate, what is the matter? Is the child dead? She shook her head and said, the little ones were alive, but something much worse than that had happened. Luther cried, what has befallen us? Tell me quick, I am sad enough as it is. Tell me quick. Good man, she, she, she said, have you not heard? Is it possible that the terrible news has not reached you? This made the reformer the more inquisitive and ardent, and he pressed to be immediately told of the cause of this great sorrow. Why, said Kate, have you not been told that our heavenly father is dead and his cause in the world is therefore overturned? Martin stood and looked at her and at last burst into such a laugh that he could not possibly contain himself. But cry, Kate, I read your riddle. What a fool I am. 
God is not dead. He always lives. But I have acted as if he were. You can't contain God. Your containments can't contain God. Would you stand with me, please? If you want to have family God's way, you want to have a life God's way, then you have to break the containment models that have come to your life, sometimes going way back. And sometimes just today. They show up in so many different ways. Success can make, put you at ease. Hurt can put you into bitterness. It can put you back into closets. Unforgiveness is great iron around the ankles. Your own mulling thoughts that stir over what is coming next are nothing but darkness worked again and again and again. Time to get perspective. Our Heavenly Father's not dead. God is alive. And God cannot be contained. And his work in the world is not done. And his work in you is not over. And his work in your family is not finished. And his work through you is not finished. In fact, it may be about to actually start today. Let me go here first. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, it's as simple as what the Philippian jailer was told. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's it. You say simple as yes. How can it be more complex? It's a gift. It's, I want the gift. Your heart may be stirred this way today. I would, I would, I would uh, encourage you to follow that stirring today and open your heart and receive Jesus. But next to those of us that are called by his name, we are Christians. Containment is never your friend. Not in your relational world, not in any part of how you're made or wired. It's always about freedom and expansion and God moving deeper, moving more, God having more. And how does that happen? Well, you surrender. And you keep getting good at it. And you say, my best strengths will make me a great servant. My best strengths will take and pay the cost that Paul and Silas paid. Rejected, injustice, make you a victim of other people's prejudices. Does it really matter how God's purpose is fulfilled? Only that it is what affirms I'm alive. I'm alive no matter what I'm in. So today, Christian, lift up your head. Lift up your heart. And let God once again 
say, let's break out of this. Let's bow our heads together. If, if you uh, want to receive or open your heart to Christ, really it's as simple as turning to him in belief. Um, here's a little prayer you can borrow in the quietness of your own heart, something along this line. Father in heaven, I thank you that you certainly are not dead. And I thank you that you are working in my life and that this morning I sense your stirrings. I receive your son Jesus who died for my sins. I accept him as my savior and I choose to make him my Lord over all the circumstances that I am in and will go through. So here's my life, come on in Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Now for the rest of us, your prayer might be something along the line of, oh boy, I have let containment hold me down and back. Oh God, here I am again. I got comfortable in the dungeon. I got comfortable not saying anything when I should. I got comfortable taking the ease of life. I got I just got in the wrong zone. Our relationships, Lord, need life, they need you. I've contained them, I've let things hold me back. I, I, I've not let trust grow rich again. I, I've not allowed the hope and the beauty of the present and the future of what this relationship is fill my heart. I have not allowed you to work through me into the family. I've been in nothing but containment. Today, Lord, I want this over and I declare to you, I declare to you, in the midst of the dungeon, in the midst of the stocks, in the midst of the situation, I am praying to you and surrendering and saying, thank you for this dungeon because there's ears down here that will hear me pray to you, praise you, that would never hear your name. It may be my kids, it may be my wife or my husband, but they're gonna hear your name on my lips and out of my heart in the worst of it. I praise you that, Lord, you have purpose in every bit of my life. I choose to trust the purpose more than have this containment through this model of life that keeps coming my way. So in your name, I want to be a great servant and bring glory to you. So we thank you, Jesus, no matter where we are today, what circumstance, we just thank you. We are not there alone. We're not there without reason. We are not there that you cannot open up the doorways, not just for us to be liberated, but to bring liberation and hope and healing. Use us so we pray in Christ's mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.